Good morning to everybody. Hello to everybody upstairs. Well, Cafe, it is good to be in church with you on this uh, overcast, kind of cloudy day uh, to come and uh, sing praise to our God, to fill our hearts with joy uh, because of his steadfast love. If we haven't met before, my name is Johnny. Uh, I serve as a lead pastor for this worship community that we call The Well. Uh, it's one community meeting in two places uh, at the same time. So if this is your first time here, I want to say an extra special welcome to you. Uh, an extended invitation uh, to come down to the front, uh, not during the service, I won't do that now, uh, but after the service is over and nobody uh, can look at you, you come up, I just love the chance to meet you. Pastor Lauren will do the same uh, upstairs in the loft for anybody that's visiting for the first time uh, up there. Today, I'm glad you're here because we begin this brand new series that I don't know if you've heard about yet called Meeting Jesus Again for the first time. Uh, <laughs> It's a journey through the Gospel of Luke that we'll be taking uh, through the season of Lent. But before we get started, I want to show you a little something. Uh, over a week ago, a little over a week ago, uh, Pastor Lauren and I and about 13 other people uh, from this church went on our own journey uh, halfway across the world uh, to India, to Chennai, there to meet and connect with some of the orphaned and vulnerable children over there uh, that we have partnered with along with uh, Zoe. It was a physically and emotionally exhausting trip, but it was spiritually enlivening. We go to these things and we have all sorts of expectations. I myself had those and many times we expect, like, what will I share, you know, when I'm there? What will I say? I was worried that they were going to ask me to say something and I wouldn't know what to say in, in any moment that they might, they might ask me. And how might I witness to Christ while I'm there? And, and as those expectations, sort of overwhelmed me on our way there, I quickly realized that I had nothing to say. Uh, in fact, I had only to listen. I had to come and see and listen uh, the way in which I was going to be witnessed to, uh, not only through the work of uh, the people there uh, that partnered with Zoe, uh, Jabez and his staff, but also these children who, in situations that I can't fathom trying to live through, uh, have and have such a joy in their hearts and on their faces, a hope uh, and a strength that can only come from God. And it's just, it was amazing to see, and uh, it, was, it was important for me. So there's so much to share about this trip. I have no time to do all of that. So what I want to do is just share a, a quick video uh, with you uh, that our production team that was with us uh, shot and they put together just so you could see a little bit of what we saw uh, in these beautiful faces. So if you would, please take a look with me. If you've been a part of this church for any amount of time, you know how much we love and, and care for and support uh, this ministry of Zoe and just how powerful it is. If you um, are unaware of Zoe and, and what they do and how they do it, I invite you to check out zoehelps.org. Uh, you can learn everything uh, about them there, where they minister, and, and how you can further partner with them. But in the, in the weeks to come, I hope to share a lot more of what we experienced there. But I just wanted to thank you as a church, as a people of faith, for how much you love and care for people all over the world, uh, ways in which we continue to be surprised in the way Christ works, uh, and your continued prayers uh, for not only those that are a part of Zoe, but the children who lo whose lives are blessed. So there's more to come. Today's scripture that was read today so beautifully, thank you, Katie, uh, admittedly sounds like an odd one. 
uh, when you read it, to look at that and say, okay, there's a sermon in there somewhere, right? I think Paul says in, in Timothy uh, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and whatnot. I'm thinking, what? This one? For real? So we're going to put that to the test today. Admittedly, I've never preached from this scripture before, but I'm kind of excited to do it because as we begin this journey through Lent and, and through the Gospel of Luke, it actually seems quite appropriate. So I'm excited to go through this with you. We'll start by saying this. Uh, late in the first century, there were lots of stories circulating about this Jesus guy. And by the time that Luke is writing his gospel, it's been many, many years since the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And this early church movement that had begun as the apostles went out to spread the good news of God as ex- uh, exemplified through Jesus, as this movement began, more and more people were coming to know this Christ person. They were joining this movement of faith that was happening. We read all about that in the book of Acts, which also happened to be uh, written by Luke. But as that's happening, one of the real challenges of this new movement of faith was that they needed to not only preserve these stories that have meant so much to them, but also decipher this gospel story amidst all of the stories about Jesus that had been circulating. See, it wasn't just the early church that had their stories about this Christ. They had all other stories that were out there as well, not only from the Roman government, but from um, other rival religious factions that were out there. But there was lots of stories. And there was this big question that was out there about who is this Jesus guy exactly? Because amidst, amidst all the good stories, there were these maybe counter or false narratives that might have been out there that they needed to decipher between what was true and what was not. Some of these things that opposed their movement, some things, uh, some systems, some groups that might have used the story of Jesus, distorted it um, in a way that fit their agenda, that fit what they wanted to do and what they wanted to accomplish. So as new people are coming to faith, it might be very confusing for, for them to understand who this Jesus actually was and what this Jesus actually did. So they're trying to answer this question. Seems like I like this, but who is this Jesus guy exactly? So that's what Luke sets out to do. And according to many of Paul's writings that we find in the New Testament, it seems that Luke was one of his companions. And so that means that Luke is rubbing elbows, rubbing shoulders with some of the most important people we find in the New Testament. Some of the most important thinkers, some of the most faithful uh, sharers. Of Christ's, of Christ's story, of the good news, some of the most influential people in the early church. And Luke sets out to write an orderly account, as he puts it, uh, of the gospel to the most excellent Theophilus. Good job pronouncing that, by the way, Katie. If anybody here is in need of a, a child's name, if you're expecting a child anytime soon, uh, there's two given to you here, Luke or Theophilus, if you want to get... <laughs> Not surely, we're not really sure as we read scriptures who this Theophilus actually is, but with an introduction like most excellent Theophilus, it sounds like he might be a part of the Bill and Ted movies, but I keep thinking of maybe Luke, here's the most excellent Theophilus. <laughs> but it appears that Theophilus, most excellent, is Luke's patron, maybe of one of the uh, house churches there that Luke was a part of, but he, is a high, he seems to be a high-status individual. Uh, who might have funded Luke's work, his writing, um, at the very least supported Luke. So naturally, Luke dedicates this project to him. Or 
Some say, as we read Scripture and we, and we look deeply into what Scripture might mean, some say that perhaps Theophilus is Luke's dedication to an ideal reader of Luke's work. It not be, might not be a single person, but it might be persons. If you look at the name Theophilus, and, and we put it in Greek up here too, just in case you can read that, uh, the, the name Theophilus actually means friend of God. Philia, which is one of the Greek words for love, like a brotherly love, a friendship sort of love. Theophilus means friend of God. So uh, as this name might mean a group of people, it might mean friends of God or whoever, what individual who is a friend of God might be reading this. They might embody Jesus' teaching and love for God. They're at least a searcher of God's truth and wisdom. Who knows? doesn't really matter. What does matter and what we can know is that whether or not Luke's writing is for a single person or for many persons, Luke seems to understand himself to be writing the true account of Jesus Christ to somebody who already knows Jesus. They seem to already know who Jesus is. They're coming to faith. It, uh, Luke assumes and, and, and seems to know that this Theophilus has already read some. And, and what Luke wants to do is, is solidify that learning. Verse 4 says, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. You might also translate that as, you might know with confidence those things that you have been taught. To sum that up, Luke writes to a person of faith in order to strengthen their faith. That's what Luke wants to do. He wants to write to a person of faith to strengthen their faith. So it doesn't matter who this person was. If you're a person of faith and you seek to strengthen your faith, Luke wrote this for you. Which means that when you do something like that, when you write something like that for somebody like that, you, you have some outcomes that you could assume, some goals that you might hope for that person reading. And this is what Luke might have had in mind for Theophilus as he read this gospel. The first hope is this, that he might hear, that the reader might hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Very simple. We might assume from this introduction that while the intended reader of Luke's work might already know Jesus, and to some extent or some measure already have faith in who Jesus was, we also might assume that Luke hopes that the reader might discover something new, might see something that they haven't seen before, might hear about this Jesus in a way that they haven't heard before. And in that way, they discover something. They discover something about God. They discover something about the gospel. They discover something about themselves. And in that way, they might embody that. They might hear something they have yet to hear or something that stirs their soul or inspires them into a new way of living and a new action. The second goal we might think is something like this, that the reader might better know the story of Jesus. So that the reader is hearing the story of Jesus, the reader might better know the story of Jesus. Now, amidst all the stories about Jesus that are circulating at the time, Luke hopes to share an account that is not just accurate, but also accessible for those that read it, so that they might know it and understand it. This means, I think, that there would be things in Luke's gospel that will serve to not only encourage and support what the reader has already heard and come to know, that they might grow in confidence in those things, but also that they might hear something that challenges them, or challenges something that they thought they knew about Jesus. See, the hope is that there is faith that is seeking this greater and deeper understanding 
uh, of that in which it is rooted, right? Christ at the center of the faith. We are growing in deeper understanding of Christ, and we become more deeply rooted in the person of Christ. But part of that means that there are some things that we have to trim away from our understanding, things that we have to prune off of the tree, things that we might have grown up to believe or stories that we might have heard and believed that we must then abandon in order to accept the accurate and accessible account of Christ. Luke's insistence that he has carefully investigated everything from the beginning implies that there are things that he read or that he heard during his investigation as he is writing his account about Jesus that were not true, that were not real, that were not part of who Christ really was, that he thought he could not add to his gospel because it is not who Christ is and therefore it does not point us toward God. Luke had to be discerning in his investigation. And it stands to reason that part of Luke's hope for the reader is that they, as they encounter this writing, that they will also engage some of their maybe false beliefs that they don't know are false yet. Some of these false narratives about Jesus. And they become rightly challenged by this work. There may have been things that Theophilus knew about Jesus that he would have to abandon because it didn't shake out in Luke's careful investigation of the account of Jesus' ministry and life. Said more simply, there are some stories about Jesus that are not really of Jesus. It's not because Luke looks down on Theophilus that he wants to uh, uh, include these things or that he has this hope. It's not because he looks down on Theophilus because Theophilus might believe something that might not be a part of the true account of Jesus, the true person of Jesus, or that he has some sort of in- misinformation. Instead, Luke seems to understand this challenge of wading through all the noise and the hype surrounding this Jesus. And so he offers this gospel as a way to help. Lastly, the third goal might be that Luke shares his findings in the hope that the reader will also share their faith. Luke is telling the story so that uh, the story might live on and manifest itself in some way through Theophilus. And perhaps of greatest importance in Luke's writing is is this acknowledgement, and we'll see this as we continue to read uh, throughout Lent, that this work is meant for more than simply settling what is true and what is not true about Jesus. Instead, it's a story, the likes of which is still being written in that day. It's a living word that is meant to be shared. It's it's meant to be lived. And it's in and through people like Theophilus that the story of Christ will continue to live on. Today, when we encounter Luke's writing. We do so much in the same way that Theophilus might have. Determining what is real today is a significant challenge that we face, not just concerning Christ. We have infinite information at our fingertips. We have but to open our phones or our computers and and type something into Google that we want to know. And we might find various sources, infinite sources, that might all conflict and disagree on 
basic facts or truth, and we are left trying to discern what is and is not true. And that is ever more the struggle when we speak of Jesus. We talk of faith and what it means to be a Christian, to embody that spirit of God that was so alive in Christ that calls us forth to live likewise. Today, there are lots of stories about who Jesus is and what Jesus does, some of which are true, some of which are not so true. Some, we don't even know. We're in the midst of discerning, maybe. But Luke shares these words here in his gospel. Luke shares these words so that we might be introduced to and that we might find life in the one who is at the center of God's story that is unfolding through Scripture and in our life today. Luke would like to introduce you and me to what he has gathered to be the story of Jesus, so that we might meet this Jesus and know exactly who he is, at least according to Luke's investigation. Now, I think it's worth remembering for us as we talk about truth and Jesus and what is and what is not true, it's worth remembering that our faith as people of faith, the reason we gather here each and every week and upstairs, the reason people gather all over the world has got to be more than simply a collection of ideas or proposals or traditions or creeds. We don't gather here just because we all agree on something. And it might be fun to get together once a week to celebrate how much we agree about things. Our faith is not simply a collection of ideas or proposals that we have all agreed upon. Our gathering as a church, as a worshiping community, our, our study of Scripture is meant for so much more than settling what is and is not true. Our faith is meant to call us into a new way of living, not simply thinking. Faith is meant for more than just settling what is and is not true. It's about living into this story of Jesus. And so as we encounter this story, it becomes a part of our life. As we encounter this story that Luke writes for us, the hope is that we become inheritors of that story. A story of a very real person named Jesus who really touched real people, who really healed real people, and who really challenged real people. Who really embodied God, God's grace, God's love, and God's hope for humanity in very real ways. And really asks us, calls us to do the same. It's a story that is still being written today on each and every one of our hearts. And through our lives... And those lives that we encounter. So as we close, we enter into a time of communion. I would like to share with you, dear Theophili, friends of God, 
I implore us, let us embark together upon a journey over the next six weeks where our destination is not a place, but it is a person. A journey where we have the opportunity to meet this person named Jesus that we have been hearing so much about. Some of us for the very first time. For those of us here that might bring along a lot of assumptions or baggage about who this Jesus is that we're going to meet, I want to encourage you to do your best to leave all that behind. To drop all that baggage, to drop all of our assumptions, positive, negative, the like. Just drop it all and walk confidently and curiously down this path that will be led by Luke. That we might discover maybe this person named Jesus who they call the Christ, the Savior of the world. And for those of us that might have been long committed followers of Jesus, let us see if Jesus can't surprise us again. If we've become bored, if we've come to know and anticipate and expect everything that Jesus is and will do, let's cast that aside and see if we can't be surprised again, challenged again by Jesus. And for those of us that are new to the Christian faith or might still be exploring what faith might even mean in your, in your life, let's find out if this Jesus proves to be real for us today as he was real for those back then. Together, I hope that we meet the one that they say has come to save us and forgive us from our sins and to reconcile us to God. Let's meet the one that looks evil and oppression and hurt in the face and says, no more. No more. Let's meet the one who calls out the broken and cast aside and forgotten and despised and misunderstood and says to them, come, dine with me. Share my table with me. Let's meet the one that shines the light, his light of truth and grace on the darkest parts of our hearts, the parts that we might not even know exist, the parts that we might know exist, but we try to keep hidden from God and discomforts us with his righteousness. Let us meet the one who comforts us in our darkest moments with a love that is so steadfast it cannot be shaken or taken away. Let's meet Jesus again for the very first time and for some of us again for the first time. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for our time gathered together that we get to share in song and praise of your glorious name, but that also that we get to share in a time of wonder and curiosity of who you are and how your love and grace was made manifest in the person of Jesus. God, as we embark on this journey of Lent, we confess, God, that we have sometimes assumed, we have sometimes assumed we knew everything there was to know about Jesus. We confess that even though we do know some things, sometimes, God, we just have a hard time living it out. But on this journey, God, we pray for the strength, the courage, the perseverance, God, to lay all that aside, to lay it at your feet, and to follow down this path of discovery. That we might hear the good news, that we might know it, and that we might share it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.